When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. And I'm Grant. And if you are joining us for the very first time on our journey to discover good music, we are so glad you're here. If you would be so kind as to leave a like and a subscribe and maybe a review on whatever platform you're listening on, we would be ever so thankful. If you want to get in on the conversation, uh, go to the Facebook and Instagram page that we have for our podcast, at Good Music Podcast. You will get notified on new episodes, and maybe some interesting content there as well. And get in on the conversation. Suggest some artists that you'd like us to review, and we might just get to it because we care about you guys. You guys are the listeners, and we want to tailor this show to you guys. And speaking of tailoring the show to you guys, if you really want to get exclusive access and extra content and early content, there's a link down in the description to our Patreon page. If you want to support this podcast, you'll get access to early episodes, and you'll also get access to our after-hours section that we like to call our Bad Music Podcast, where we talk about the worst songs of every artist every week. And that's very unfiltered and unedited, so you get to get all the bad takes and us misspeaking and the dogs barking and all of that stuff. So it's really fun (laughs) and very low-key, and it's something that we like to give our patrons. So if that's something that you sound like you're interested in... Um, And if you want to support the podcast, then go down the description to the Patreon page. And last week, we talked about Judas Priest, right? Um, And we talked about, you know, oh, me and Lucas are going to go see Judas Priest and whatever. And so I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't know as much Judas Priest as I thought I did. And so Lucas had the ranked playlist. And I don't know if you give that ranked playlist to the listeners or not. I do. Okay, so, so you can always check on our Spotify page for that week's ranked playlist. It'll always be up. So I went to the ranked playlist that you made for Judas Priest. And, I mean, you sent that to me through text, and you're like, oh, listen to the top 25. So I did. Right? I didn't actually listen to the um, British Steel, Screaming for Vengeance, Defenders of the Faith run that I said I was going to do at the end of the podcast, which... If you're curious on what my extra listening will be in this episode, then stick around to the end, right? A little bit of foreshadowing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and so I listened to those top 25. There were, It was very diverse. Like, it wasn't uh, from one particular album, and I thought that was really nice. Like, Sin After Sin, I never even really knew that album existed. Um, it's maybe their best album of the 70s. And it, it was... Like, there were a lot of songs in the top 25 from Sin After Sin. I mean, disproportionately a lot. 
uh, a lot from Defenders of the Faith, obviously, a lot from Screaming for Vengeance. Listening through the title song for Screaming for Vengeance was really cool. Uh, oh, yeah. Great a lot, song. A lot of screaming, you know. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in the extra listening that I did, I was really happy about it. I might be moving to a nine on Judas Priest very soon. Yeah. If I get through that whole that whole list. I unfortunately wasn't able to do that because we actually recorded that episode three days ago. Um, I think it was maybe four days ago. And uh, I had had to prepare for this episode. But um, also speaking of Judas Priest, we have some news. So when we are talking through the episode, we're like, oh, I'm going to go see Judas Priest in Vegas. Oh, I'm going to go see Judas Priest in Oklahoma City and whatever. Well, obviously you guys now, last week now, I guess, we're listening to that saying, no, you're not going to go see Judas Priest next month. They've been postponed. Those yeah. of you who are not in the loop, yeah, those of you who are not in the loop are probably like, what? They've been postponed? Or maybe you don't care, you know. But uh, those of us who've got tickets, it's kind of a sad thing because sometimes postponement can mean canceled, but you never know. So Lucas has all the details on that. Which yeah, I'll make, this, I'll make this really brief just because that's not the focus of this episode. Um, but because of the fact that we talked about it so much in our previous episode, felt like I needed to at least address it a little bit. So yesterday, um, an announcement was released that Richie Faulkner, who is KK Downing's, uh, replacement guitarist has been for the last 10 years, was rushed to the hospital to have emergency open heart surgery. So, um, we are hoping the best of recovery to him. It's really, that's a pretty scary thing. That's no minor thing mm-hmm. um, to have to deal with. So um, hopefully he didn't have like a heart attack or uh, maybe just a pre-existing condition got um, worsened by something. We don't know yet. They haven't revealed the cause of it, but um, very obviously the tour has been postponed, which means I'm not going to get to see them in Vegas because I'm going to still go to Vegas when I plan to. Hopefully, um, I'll get to see them. Maybe I'll see them with Grant in Oklahoma City. We'll see what happens. Um, But as sad as it is, the most important thing is we hope that Richie has a fast, speedy recovery without any complications. Right. Um, But I felt like that at least needed to be um, brought up. And when you say the announcement was yesterday, it's yesterday from our perspective. We can't predict. Yes. So, so yesterday yeah. being September the twenty seventh, right? Yeah. So because today's the twenty eighth. But anyway, with without all that Judas Priest nonsense, you know, we are swinging all the way to the other side of the music world. Yes, and this I always is- I always like to do this within a month of music to just like not stay in one area very much to just like pinball to extremes of music man oh that is that is so true we are talking about who are we talking about talking about casey musgraves okay hey um no i have no first thoughts so i'm just gonna start right there my first thoughts are five because i know nothing i'm surprised that you haven't at least heard of her i've not even heard the name i honestly when i first looked at her name i didn't even pronounce it right. I thought it was Casey Musgroves or Casey <laughs> Muscogee or something. Muscogee? Well, it has musk and there's a G. Well, mus, 
Yeah, see what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm just not familiar with the name. Is this like a country artist? Um, yes and no. That's a bit of a loaded question. Okay, well, let's, before we get to the loaded question, I would like to hear your first thoughts. Okay, so I had never heard of Casey Musgraves until I started dating my wife. She was the one that introduced me to her. Um, whenever we were dating, she played her, at the time, her first two records, because that's all she had. And shortly after we got married, her third record came out. And that's when I really started to take interest in her. Her third record, I was just like, whoa, okay, there's, this isn't just a country artist. This is, this is something a little more going on here. And the more I listened to it, the more I was like, wow, uh, this is a really great record. She's a really great artist. And, um, and so just my main exposure to her is my wife playing her music in the car constantly, kind of the same way that I got familiar with Adele when we mm -hmm. talked about the Adele episode. But um, I would say that I was like a, a pretty strong six. Wouldn't have said that I was openly a fan of hers before getting rid of this episode, but very much being like a... Oh yeah, if whenever my wife in the car, I don't mind it. I like I like some of the songs and she interests me way more than the other pop and country stars that I also hear from her in the car. So is is this a listener pick and it was Callie's pick? No. This oh. was actually something that I picked of my own volition. Next week will be our listener pick. Ooh. Okay. So um, this was something. The reason the reason I decided to do an episode on her is that her new record just came out, and she is a very, very uh, hot artist right now. She's kind of taken the Taylor Swift route of transcending being a country star to being just kind of an all around pop star. Okay. And she's she is continuing to be on the rise to maybe be one of the big players um, coming out. And even if she doesn't end up becoming that big, her the output of her music so far is going to be music that's going to last. I can already tell. Okay. I mm, from my initial listening, I honestly I cannot give any any thought to that because I don't have a lot of reference for this kind of music. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I know where Taylor Swift ended up because when I first really got introduced to her was when 1989 was big. Yeah. Right. And I think that's when most of everybody like that red 1989 era. Mm -hmm. And I guess she still like Casey Musgraves has yet to get to that point in her career, maybe. Um, so really she, her third record was a pretty explosive record. Um, it was, it was a pretty big deal when it came out. Her um, third record name titled Golden Hour. Golden Hour. Okay. So it won Grammy, it won, won album of the year at the Grammys the year it came out. Like not country album, but album. Like it beat out every 
uh, all the pop records of that year. That's quite that that album won four Grammys in of itself. That's quite the achievement. Yes, and so she is just someone that is is she's on the rise right now. Mm-hmm. Not enough time, like say with Bruno, to where there's kind of this definitive. Oh, she arrived to that mega stardom, mm-hmm. but she is on track, and I'm going to be surprised if she doesn't. Just because she's continuing to get bigger and bigger. So th- this episode is ahead of the curve, really. Yeah. I'd, most of the time I like to wait a little bit, but with this one, I figure, first off, it's such a a out-of-left-field choice for the type of music we normally do, and I really like... Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing that from time to time. And also, I find that the type of artist she is is the type of artist that I do really talking about on this podcast people that are legitimate artists people that that have that um that need to really express themselves in a way that no one else really is doing at that time being all of the traditions that are set up around them so what do you what do you mean by like go into that with some examples let's do some storytelling yeah, so Casey started off as a country artist, pure and pure. And okay. we all know that the modern country music landscape is a very limited and very creatively stifling genre. My apologies to those that enjoy country. But, I mean, even the country fans accept that to be true. Mm-hmm. It's just that they like the small box that country has made for itself at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, country has its very specific qualities that it just will not deviate from and um, that's kind of where Casey initially entered in her she kind of came onto the scene in like 2012, 2013 that was when her first record came out and um, her first record is by far her most country record but even in her first record, she was doing a lot of things that other country artists were not doing. I would say mostly in the lyrics department. Her lyrics are very smart. They're very well thought out. Um, they, they're creative in their word choice and their rhyming scheme, as well as being able to find that that. Um, that extra touch of humanity, of connection, of saying something that's not just a, you know, I I need a boyfriend, my boyfriend dumped me, and I, uh, you know, I'm gonna go party with my girlfriends. Right. All it's not. It's it doesn't have all the country cliches. I was drunk the day my mama got out of prison. Yeah, or yeah, just, yeah. you know, all the all all the cliches. There's there's there wasn't really a lot of that, and even when she did use them, she used them in ways that she kind of was winking, going, "Yes, I know this is an overused trope, but I'm gonna kind of twist it on his head a little bit." That's kind of cool. 
she always had something very profound to say. She's got she definitely has a, several specific lyrical themes that she constantly returns to. Okay. And um about being yourself, about um going against the flow if that means staying true to who you are, not conforming to what anyone else tells you. Um about not um getting caught up in the machinery of life and just like enjoying everything around you loving your family loving your friends loving what you do um just really the the central theme of casey being just stop trying to pretend to be what other people want you to be and just be who you were really meant to be mm-hmm she sings that about herself. She sings that about other people. She sings about it, about the human race in general. And, um, and you don't find like country artists really tackling more philosophical, broader themes like that. Usually it's their, their dumb story songs or like they're just about, you know, cowboy country uh, topics. Talking about their boots or their hat or their or their cold beer or their pickup truck or whatever it is, and then There's you mix them all. That, you know, but then then is... you mix them all together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, There's yeah, like there... an audience for that. It's just it's not like it's if you There's sing about if you sing about that, you will never transcend the genre. Right. You have so... you have no room to grow from there. So I guess she kind of like used it as a palette. Yes, really. Really what she was is that she took country back to its roots. Yeah. Really what she reminds me of is people like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and those kinds of people, Merle Haggard, um, that they, they told stories that related to their lives in particular but then they were always vehicles about saying something deeper than that. I mean, we talked about that a lot in our Johnny Cash episode about it wasn't just the the Western country imagery. It was what what lied beneath. Okay. There was a deeper message there. And I think it's no surprise that she's like best buddies with Willie Nelson. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's that's a resume bullet. Yeah, they they smoked a joint together at her wedding. <laughs> okay, that that That's, is very is very country. Yeah, but like old school country. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And she has a very retro sound about her, which is another thing that makes her 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 first two country records are a very much they're country with other influences seeping in. Rather mm-hmm. than being, say, pop with country seeping in, which is what her uh, second two records have been. Mm-hmm. So she's got four records out so far. Mm-hmm. She made for a very easy making of a ranked playlist. Or the near <laughs> as much music to sift through. Yeah, it was like the Bruno Mars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get those every now and again. Judas, <laughs> Judas Priest, however, was I didn't even get to do all that. Now I can see why you picked her is you wanted a break. Yeah, especially <laughs> also after the Genesis month. Oh my goodness, yeah. 
I had to do so much with all three of those. And Mozart. Yeah, and Mozart was, man, that was daunting. So this was a nice break. Next week's kind of a break as well. I'm going to get to do an right. entire discography as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I keep teasing uh, next week's episode, but you guys <laughs> should should stick around and check it out. Um, but yeah, she she has a lot of like she. It's not all of the traditional. Um, ways that country instruments are played these days. It's not just all of the the dumb, you know, butt rock guitar riffs and you know the the very predictable places where the banjos and the fiddles come in. And mm-hmm. it's um, she loves to have things like very stripped down, a lot of slide guitar, a lot of almost like Hawaiian influence, mm-hmm. um, a a hazy tone to the mix where mm-hmm. everything kind of bleeds together and creates more of an atmosphere rather oh, than like, everything yeah. being really slick and very yeah. um, highly produced. That's the thing I noticed the most about the mix is there wasn't a lot going on. And so the, the sound engineering, you know, you could play with, you know, tons of reverb during this part of the song. I mean, our first song is like exhibit a of something like that, where you wouldn't, normally do that with a song with a lot going on it would just sound like noise it'd sound like a mess but having that you know kind of as a variable going through the song is that you can also treat your reverb as an instrument because you don't have a lot going on and so and it, it, it lended itself to more personable style and it was also just something interesting for the aspiring sound engineer in me to pick up and go, oh, that's a cool little effect. And so there were a couple of those, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And and so, yeah, because of the fact that right from the beginning, even though that she was part of kind of the country music machine, she immediately kind of set herself out from being different from all the other country artists. She, does, she doesn't put the overdrawn twang on her voice. Um, she's not using the normal country music lyric tropes. She's not using the same arrangements or the same chord structures, chord progressions. Like she, she from the get-go is is proving to be a a bit of a different breed. But you know, she got very popular in the country world first. Like her first two records were huge country records, but they didn't have a whole lot of crossover appeal, but I found that the people that weren't normally country listeners that were finding it were going, hey, look over here. This is this is something actually pretty cool. I mean, I, she does have a little bit of accent, but it's not... It's, it's natural, though, instead of forced. Right. Like, where is she from? She's from Texas. Sounds about right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know my uh, different parts of America accent. Your, di- your dialects. I don't know my dialects. Well, I don't know if it's dialect. Or I guess accent, maybe. Yeah. Well, if we're going to talk about dialect, then we have to include y'all and stuff. But which I say all the time. <laughs> which I say all the time. I was well. born in Alabama, so I I have that right to use that yeah. word. Yeah, it's just it's yeah yeah. Anyway, but um, no, I I picked. Sure, she was from like some kind of 
small town something because mm-hmm. she has that accent, but she's not like flaunting the fact that she's from, you know, country territory, you know? Yeah. It's just like, that's what she knows. And she's trying to write good music. Yeah. And that's, and again, that's the thing is that you can tell that she cares very deeply about making sure that what she writes is good. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottom, her bottom six, I would say is still not a terrible bottom six. Yeah. And then even then it jumps up pretty quickly. I I noticed because you had already sent the worst songs to me earlier and mm-hmm. I was listening through them and there were some of them that were just like and obviously we'll talk about that in the in the after hours there are some of them that were just kind of laughable but there are other ones that I'm just like this isn't far off from the ones that we're highlighting here mm-hmm. like there's not that huge discrepancy like I was I was and maybe that comes with having a smaller discography but I was really surprised that there was a lot of consistency that maybe you know if you don't like this then you won't like the worst songs right but if this is like your cup of tea if you like the six songs that we're going to talk about in this episode then you'll probably like all of her stuff which is really cool i think for someone who's just now hearing the name casey musgraves you know Mm -hmm. i hope there's one or two out there yeah so um so yeah, she she gave herself right at the beginning the ability to expand herself. And once she made the third record Golden Hour, that was kind of like her big like kind of moving out into more of a pop landscape without mm-hmm. feeling like she's drastically changing who she is. Mm-hmm. Um she was able to really toe the balance really well between pop and country to where it was a lot of country instruments, but they were not at all used in a way that a country artist would use them. The way that she was using her acoustic guitar and the banjo and the, the slide guitar and all these, all these again, normally traditional um, country instruments, but then putting them through a pop filter mm-hmm. and making something that is not really pop, but it's also not really country. It kind of sits in this weird in-between space that really has not been explored very deeply yet. Mm-hmm. At least not that I'm aware of. No, I would. And I definitely... Would Definitely the times that I have heard it, it's not done near as well. In fact, a lot of the times it's done laughably bad. Oh yeah. By other artists. Oh. Trying to trying to put a like an electronic pop feel to a country song, like they it becomes so obvious that they're trying to cross over. Where Try- this doesn't feel like she's trying to do anything. She just, it just feels like that's the album she wanted to make. I mean and it just I'm- space. At le- the country radio that at least plays in our area, I've heard it a couple times, and there's at least one of those stations that just plays plays songs that are like trap music with country. Like, yeah, I've vocals. I've heard it, and it's it's awful. It's like that's what I was 
picturing when I kind of like heard the first song. I'm like, oh, this is what this set is going to be. And it wasn't like it, it was it was definitely country pop somewhere in between. It was something new. My brain didn't really understand it. And so I didn't really know how to respond. So, I mean, I'm going to be very scatterbrained this whole episode because there's just, there's, I don't have a lot of context for this because it's two genres, you know, this modern pop and this old country that I don't know a lot about. Yeah. So throw, in, throw, throw in some in the mix. Yeah. And, and... I mean, we just came off of one of my favorite bands and now we're into, I don't even know. You know? <laughs> so, and, and maybe that's, Maybe that's a good thing. It's always good to step outside of your comfort zone. Yes. Wink, wink well, to the listeners. Give these songs a listen. Step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So when um, when Golden Hour came out, um, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the way my wife listens to music because it's so okay. peculiar. And <laughs> it drives me crazy because I never listen to music this way. But she will listen to an album like two times, like right when it comes out. She'll pick out her like five or six favorite songs from it, and then she'll, from then on out, only listen to those songs. Mm. And she'll listen to them in varying different orders. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's such an alien way to me, but she likes it i won't tell her <laughs> what's right or wrong but um i didn't get to listen to this full record when it first came out i would just listen to it whenever she was putting it on and so she'd be choosing different tracks i'm like i have no idea where in the album this fits uh but the first time that she played her already selected favorites from it i was listening to it and i was just like and I literally thought to myself, oh my gosh, this is going to be a huge record. And it was. And it, and it was. I remember, I just remembered, I remembered thinking, wow, she just took a step into the upper levels as far as songwriting, creativity, doing something completely different from what everyone else was doing. Like, I was, I was indifferent slightly towards the positive side whenever I would listen to the stuff that she made me listen to on her first two records. It was more of just like me being surprised that I didn't hate it the way I didn't hate other country music. <laughs> oh my. Um, but then once I started to hear the stuff on Golden Hour, I was just like, wait a minute. She's legit. She's not a she's not just a a above mediocre country writer. Which, of course, now I've gone back to those songs and I have a much deeper appreciation for them. But at the time, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And so that's when I was just like, okay, I need to, I need to watch her career because she's got something special going on. And then when all the Grammy stuff started happening and I saw that it got nominated for Album of the Year, I actually thought I was just like, I think that this is going to sneak in and win the whole thing. And sure enough, it did. Look at that. Look at that. It's that Lucas intuition. I I I found that I do have it. We need we need to get you like a record deal. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> you just you would just know what the music world needs, you know? Yeah, maybe. 
<laughs> I might, I'm, it might be harder to to discern that with my own things. Well, okay. Maybe maybe I need to produce someone else. Maybe. Be one hey, of those people lot, that listens to all the demo tapes and goes, this band's going to be big. This band's going to do nothing. Well, then you got to take the band that's going to do nothing and convince them to write something else. <laughs> <laughs> to do something else with their lives. Oh, okay, maybe not that harsh, but... But yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, um, and Golden Hour also was very significant for her in her life because that was um, right before she started writing that record, she had gotten married. And so, Golden Hour conceptually is kind of like her falling in love album. Ah. And so, there is a theme that kind of that does loosely tie through the whole record. So, you're I want telling to say. Me- I wouldn't say the theme is strong enough to be a concept record. I'm not saying that, but I mean there is there is a a loose theme running through. I mean, it's not telling a story, and there are significant songs that don't follow that. But a large majority of the record is about her falling in love with her husband. So it's like a Born to Run kind of thing. Yeah, where it's it's obvious what is and isn't. And it's very pop, somehow country, somehow somewhere. Yeah. And all good. Yeah. So um, she she really exploded into the mainstream after that record. Um, really just was able to net a pretty big audience. And so then that takes us to where we are now with her fourth album just now coming out. Where Golden Hour was her falling in love song, her her falling in love album, uh, Starcrossed was her divorce record. Oh no! So, it's and let me tell you what it's a pretty dark record. The song that we chose um, to represent is actually like the most upbeat song on the record. Uh oh! It is a it's a pretty. Um, it's a pretty dark, introspective record, and it is an even further step away from country. There's like barely any country. The in fact, the the country that is there is kind of more like like Spanish influenced. I yeah, I mean the one that we picked, like you get about ten seconds into the song, and then there are sounds that you're hearing that you're like, this is not, this doesn't fit the template. Not that mm-hmm. it's not that it's bad, not that it's amazing. You know, we're not going to judge it yet. We'll get there in the second section. But it was definitely something that didn't fit the template, and I was just thinking, hmm, this is going to be quite an interesting experience. This listening experience. Yeah. Um, but I I think it's a pretty solid record. I don't think it's as good as Golden Hour, but it's still like I absolutely respect the creative guts that she took on this record because mm-hmm. i mean again she is continuing to just write whatever music she wants to write regardless of what it sounds like whatever the influences are a lot are she's not afraid to not be country to kind of not be tied to the industry that created her pretty much mm-hmm. and it's so refreshing to just see that especially from country which is just it 
is so known for just like once it builds an artist it's like it tells them like you can never make anything that's not country or else everyone will hate you motown yeah yeah i guess to a certain extent as well but um just the the box again the country box well there's i mean like motown why there's the certain country artists that have transcended their genre are the people that broke out of that box and just followed their creative muse wherever it took them. I'm noticing a theme in this podcast. I've been saying that for a year or more now that every artist we talk about is trying to just follow what they think good music is. And mm-hmm. writing the music that they want to listen to. Because if they want to listen to it, then so does somebody else. Yeah. I just, I think, I just, again, think it's much more significant seeing it come from the country world, which is normally a genre that does right. not at all encourage experimentation or branching out into other genres. Right. I feel like when you're just in the generic world of pop, it's kind of like you can do whatever you want as long as it's popular. As long as you don't do anything so weird that you can't get on radio. As long as you can dance to it and it's mm-hmm. under four minutes. Yeah. Do what you want. So it's, it's really cool, again, just in this modern landscape to see an artist that really does have just boundless creativity kind of just come in and start from... It's almost like a a challenge. Let's see if I can become a huge um, creative force by starting out in country. It's like, it's like intentionally putting on a handicap and seeing if you can still succeed. It's the, it's the final quest of the game. Uh Uh-huh. It's the hard mode of guitar hero. It's doing the, it's doing the challenge mode where you only have one HP and you can't take any damage. Yeah, and if you and if you die, it deletes the save. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nuzlocke. For those gamers out there that understand that. Yeah. Um But yeah, so that's that's really kind of what has continued to fascinate me about her. And the more that I listen to her and the more I really think about it and the more I analyze her career trajectory, it's it's it is in the same uh, ethos as someone like Bruno Mars or Adele or these other artists. Um, I, I feel like The Weeknd probably also fits into this category of just people that are using the tools that everyone else has, but using them the right way of not just using them because it makes their job easier, but rather going, okay, now what does this really allow me to explore? What what risks can I take while still connecting with a popular audience? Mm-hmm. So um, another aspect about Casey's music and life um, that definitely set her apart from other country artists is her very um, liberal stance on uh, psychedelic drugs. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the pot. Yeah. Oh yeah, she also loves to drop acid. Oh, and do mushrooms, 
and just and like really just explore that that weird psychedelic world in fact she writes most of her music while she's tripping oh my goodness oh we're back to the 60s yeah like it's it's also so retro because like yeah i mean weed is becoming more and more normal in today's society but you don't ever hear people talking about lsd anymore that's like that's such a retro drug that like is so firmly fixed in one time like you never heard about people taking lsd in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and and so on and so when i found out that she like that she would often drop acid if she was exploring a creative space. I was just like, huh. Okay. That's different. It's definitely different. Not recommended, but different. And she doesn't recommend it either. She's just like, Hey, I'm not telling you to go out and start dropping acid, but it helps me. I feel like I use it responsibly and, and use it as a way to kind of explore different um different creative planes and i get some pretty good music on the other side of it that that at the very least is true that is true. i mean look at the beatles they <laughs> yeah they made some pretty good music off lsd pink floyd makes some made some pretty good music off lsd it is true. Hendrix made some good music off LSD. Not everyone else should, though. No. I mean, there are plenty of bands that made great music without any of that. You know, I mean, just look at Rush, right? Yeah. But she definitely used it as a way of kind of like spiritual enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And just exploring, just as a way to explore different planes of existence. <laughs> Well, you're, you're you're talking very objective and scientific about it. Oh, yeah. I, I try to do that as much as I can. <laughs> it's just because I'm I'm not I'm not here to judge anyone's personal life choices. No, that is true. That is, that is I, one of the podcast. Yeah. If ever I'm talking about an artist and it sounds like I'm painting them off as a as a, you know, a jerk or a um, or is not a great person. I'm more just speaking objectively from what history has told, not as an attack on their personal character. And I guess she has good personal character. From what I've been able to tell, yes. She seems like she's a a pretty well put together person that, you know, is just her number one focus is she just wants to make the best music possible in whatever form that ends up taking. Hey, that's quite, that's a, that's a good dream. That's a good goal. And that's the other thing that makes me respect her as an artist is that she does really live what she sings about and she practices what she preaches. That's one of the things that normally in country music really, really grinds my gears (laughs) is um, the fact that country artists are always singing about country things, but they don't live in the country anymore. Right. They're it's... living in they're living in Nashville. They're they're in a nice big old house. They're not in a you know a an old beat up pickup truck. They're not out there, you know, working the farm. They're not going down to the to the the dive bar 
Like it's, right. it's all very hypocritical. And I feel like with her, she, like when she's the, the themes that I was talking about earlier about, you know, just living life on your own terms and not conforming to what anyone else says and about exploring who you are as a person and just enjoying life, taking the time to slow down and just, and just experience everything. She really does that because she tends to write from the perspective of what's going on in her life. That's why her albums change so much from album to album is that she's not stuck on, well, I got to write about this kind of thing. Cause she was, cause she talked about how, you know, she wrote golden hour as this great love saga. And then when her marriage fell apart, she was just like, well, what do I do? I have this little bit of a dilemma. Does it make golden hour less significant? Do I just pretend that the divorce didn't happen and write another love album? Because that's what everyone loved. Mm -hmm. Do I, um, when I go out on tour, do I say, Hey, you know, I'm not going to play any songs off golden hour because I hate them now because I'm not in love with that person anymore. What do, what do I do? And she thought about it and she was just like, I have to. And she also knew that at that point that everyone, the one of the reasons people loved her is because she wrote about what she was going through. It just so happened to be that the last album, she was going through a big up period. So she was like, well, I'm going to be phony if I am in a down period and I don't write honestly about it. Mm -hmm. And so... That's why Starcrossed became the record it became is because she was just like, I have to write what I'm actually going through right now and not just what I would like to write about. What I what I wished I was going through or what someone else is going through. I have yeah. to be honest with what's going on in my life right now. That's the that's the old school country. Mm-hmm. The real rock Johnny, Johnny Cash did it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is cool, and you know, all of the, all of this weird, like, partially retro, but it's got this real modern spin to it. It's 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 very foreign, and yet it feels very familiar. Yeah, it's these it's these brand new ideas, but this old philosophy it, it's very fresh and yet it's very i don't want to say dated dated's not the right word but of its time you know, it's yeah so you guys just gotta listen to it to know what we're talking about so anyway that's amen my, that's my feel there so we should probably get to some listening yes we'll go ahead take a brief break here and when we come back we're going to talk about the six songs that we've picked to introduce you to Casey Musgrave. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We've just talked about Casey Musgraves for about 45 or so minutes. And now, it's, well, I guess you could look at the time on the podcast. And now it's time to get to the six songs that we have selected for this episode. So for every episode, including this episode, we like to pick around six songs 
and usually it is six. Sometimes it's seven or eight, but there's always reasons for that, and that's a case-by-case basis. But in this case, we have six songs from Casey Musgraves, and we're going to highlight those songs, and it's going to talk about different aspects of the artist in question. We do that every week. And so if you want to listen to the songs for this episode and for every single episode, there's a link in the description to a Spotify playlist that has not only these songs, but every single song from every single episode past present and future so if there are some songs on there that you're like man this song is so interesting i want to hear more about it we have an episode on that song and on that artist so i definitely want to check that out and hopefully these songs will serve as a great introduction to casey musgraves and maybe if you're more familiar with the artist then just hearing them in this order you might get something new out of it these aren't necessarily the best songs or our favorite songs but they are a great representation and they're all good songs so without further ado we should get into a real slow burner of a song (laughs) it is okay i mean when i first heard it i didn't know the title and i was thinking man this song has kind of taken a while to build and then when i knew the title i'm like okay this is that's kind of a little play on words Mm -hmm. so anyway this is off of golden hour this is slow burn yeah and it's the song that starts off the record Quite so, cool. yeah, so you want to talk about really setting the mood for the entire record with the first song? Mm-hmm. Letting them know, again, the previous record pageant material was a very country record. Even though it did make steps away from country, it was still like undeniably you listen to and you go, okay, that's a country record. Yeah. From yeah. this first song, those people that were expecting another country record are immediately like given a, a different mission statement. Mm-hmm. They're they're listening to it going, wait a minute. This is something completely different. I was mm-hmm. not expecting to hear anything like this. It it still feels very country singer songwriter in like philosophy and composition. Mm-hmm. But you could you could kind of fool someone to thinking that it's not country at all. Like yeah. there's still a banjo. Maybe that's a cool texture that the artist wanted, you know, and there's definitely that guitar. That's kind of the center part of the mix. You know, it's pretty much just her and her guitar. Um, and so that this is the song that I was talking about in the first section where they can kind of play with the different mixing and the reverb, make it feel like there's an atmosphere, make it feel like what you're seeing on that, you know, album cover is where you are where it's just you're kind of out in the middle of just this big wide open blue sky and there's a light breeze and you're just the sun is shining and it it feels like the cover that was very very good yeah um this is a song that she was high on mushrooms when she wrote it i'm gonna always use that as a positive because i think that it allowed her to really uh, tap into something again that was just so um there there is a bit of a a mystical vibe to this a little bit i will admit yeah originally there was supposed to be a lot more and um the her two collaborators are kind of like her studio assistants slash uh co-songwriters really put in like a lot of like crazy stuff and she came and was just like no guys come on this is this is getting in the way. She's she said that she didn't want people to think she was being weird for the sake of being weird. 
Mm. And so she was just like, let's just, let's cut out all this other extra stuff. And let's just kind of, let's keep things nice and simple to where the song is still what shines through. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that, that really is the point of this song is just that you can really feel like it's a, uh, like it's just a well-written song. Again, like you can't really pinpoint exactly what genre this fits in. It almost feels like early '70s singer-songwriter. Hmm. Um, something maybe like Old Elton John or Neil Young or Joni Mitchell, hmm. where it's just it's very simple, it's very straightforward, um, very interesting lyrics, um, very personal, and. Yeah, you don't like you don't hear any um, country cliche lyrics in this song at all. That she's, is very true. She's she's just talking about her own life mm-hmm. in a very matter of fact way. Mm-hmm. So, which what is the spin on this song? What is the lyrical content talking so, about? So she's just saying that that the way she lives her life is that she likes a slow burn. She does not. She says that she doesn't see the point in racing to the finish. That the whole song is just about take your time, you know, um, enjoy the process, enjoy the journey. The destination is not what all that matters. Mm-hmm. And that she talks about just like, and she's like, take it from me. I've been slow burning my whole life. That little line at the beginning of having been early since 88 is about her being born a month early. And she's like, that's the last time I was early to anything. <laughs> so that's a that's a real like she was actually born early thing or she just. Said, yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's so that's, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So um, and and saying that, you know, I don't care if it takes all night, you know, a good drink is is best experienced slowly. A good blunt is best experienced smoked slowly. Um, you know, when you're with someone, you don't have to rush to get to whatever part you think you need to get rushed to, whether that be marriage or children or living together or whatever it is. Why don't instead we just slow down and just like walk together? Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's, I like that. Pretty much just, again, the whole thing being, it's don't worry, relax, take it easy, you know, enjoy the the journey along the way. Ah, so we got the Eagles take it easy. Yeah. Kind of vibe, yeah. This really is, now that you mention it, or now that we get to the Eagles, it does sound like road trip music. Mm-hmm. You know, where there's just cornfields on either side. Yeah. Or I could <laughs> also think of like I could also think of maybe like uh like desert plains. Yeah. Where it's you know, you like maybe seeing the Grand Canyon or mm-hmm. or just like kind of almost like the desert landscape. Of okay. where it's just there's nothing around you. It's just it's just the world. It's just nature. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's kind of part of that atmospheric vibe. I get it. I get the shrooms now. I won't do them, but I get it. I understand it. Yeah. It's not just for the sake of what kind of wild, crazy thing can I come up with? Mm-hmm. 
it's it's in the ethos of of you know just opening yourself up to a different experience mm-hmm. yeah also you gotta love the touch of the drums coming in after the first line of the second verse and not off the top Ooh, that's a good point that's not the cliche no it's but it's not like completely out of left field it's not like they're keeping the beat on like the tongue or something yeah and and also it just it matches up so well lyrically saying that um you know but in beijing they're heading off to work boom the drums come in yeah yeah and the drums almost like you could make the joke that the drums kind of came in late mm-hmm man that's what i'm saying no it's just Ah, it's like every aspect of the song was crafted, not in a way like we talked about in our Genesis episode, but in just like a more like a more detail oriented way. You know, when you when you paint a smaller painting, you can cl- focus more on the details, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing that it's like this four minute song. There's not a lot happening, but the stuff that's there is is very uh, tuned to exactly what it needs to be. That's quite respectable. Again, this is these are the are the the paintbrush marks of an artist. Yeah. This isn't someone that is drawing caricatures on the side of the street. Right. Right. This is someone that is is that that knows how to put in musical references to the lyrics without it being like overt and like immediately going, okay, I get it. (laughs) <laughs> it's subtle. Yeah. But it's there if you look hard enough. It's a little puzzle. Mm-hmm. Not a big puzzle, a little puzzle. And sometimes little puzzles are just satisfying. Yeah. So I think we're justified in moving on to the next song. Grant, I, I love that you've become obsessed with <laughs> with transitioning us with the name of the song. It's It's made it so bizarrely great <laughs> i i can't do it with all of them but i'm gonna have a tough time with some of the the later songs but these first two were pretty easy so yeah i guess we're moving on to justified so now we're on the star crossed album so we had our nice fun happy slow burn take it easy you know song and now we're into the now we're into the kind of darkness yeah although this is still a this is and this is something that I pointed out to Callie when I put together this list. I was just like, I think just overall, this might be the most relaxed, chill set that I've ever done for an episode. Mm-hmm. Because as far as energy and upbeatness, this is about as as mm-hmm. up as it gets on this set. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's got a, a nice beat. It's got a little bit of energy to it, but lyrically this is not a happy song yeah this is this song is all about confusion i yeah that's very clear in the chorus where she's like i hate you and i love you and i'm like ah that's not make up your mind you know but i guess it's the point Mm-hmm. pretty much the whole point of the song being that accepting the fact that you don't know how you feel mm-hmm um, it's about the fact that when you're going through something as traumatic as a divorce, mm-hmm. 
that you're going to feel about every single emotion in the book. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to bounce between, you know, happiness, sadness, anger, um, loneliness, regret. Um, like it's just, it's, and I've, I've, I've found from other people that it's like kind of, you go through the same thing when you have the death of a loved one or, um, some kind of like traumatic event that you just, you're, you, it's not easy to box it up into, you know, this, this is a sad thing. So I'm only going to feel sad. Mm -hmm. This is a happy thing. I'm only going to feel happy. I'm, this is an this this was an angry thing. I'm only gonna only gonna feel angry, mm -hmm. and just pretty much what she's saying is that I'm I feel justified in knowing that I have no idea what I'm gonna feel from moment to moment, yeah. and I just have to accept that. Some days or even some moments, I might be happy. Some moments I might be in a rage. Some moments I might be crying my eyes out. Mm -hmm. And this is, I, th I think that this was her talking to herself mm. and just kind of assuring her own self to kind of give her permission to feel everything and not cage up the, the bad emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in a way she is talking to her ex-husband in this song. I don't think that the focus is allow telling her telling him let me feel what i want to feel i think it's her telling herself to just again just let let what needs to happen happen and don't try and control it right it isn't it doesn't feel like a revenge song no like there's a little bit like there's more energy here than slow burn but that doesn't say very much you know uh, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of anger at all it just feels and there's like, there's a surprisingly lack of anger in the whole record. It's not yeah. it, the the record is not a a screw you. I'm gonna live life on my own now. Mm -hmm. It's very much a there's a lot of what if I better? What if I did that better? You know what if what what if together? Um, the regret of looking there's a song on the album called camera roll where the whole song is about her um going through her camera on her phone and just looking at all the good times and just going man the thing about camera roll is that you don't ever see the bad parts of the relationship you're just constantly reminded of what's good and it deceives you yeah and um and then there's songs about you know i'm gonna be stronger i'm gonna move on from this things will be better but also other songs going, man, things were better back then. I wish it could go back. But there's no, like, like FU songs on the album, which you almost expect from a divorce record. Her opinion on it is that it just wasn't meant to be. That's what star-crossed means. It mm -hmm. means that it was meant to last for a moment, but then the moment fades and and life goes on. Yeah. It was ill-fated from the start, but it was beautiful in the moment that it did last. She seems to be very in tune with her emotions. Well, she said that she really became in tune with them during the divorce because 
they had the the divorce happened in 2020, which of course, if you're going to get divorced during lockdown, is one of the worst times to have it happen. Yeah. She talked about how she was trapped in her own home, that she couldn't get out and escape. She couldn't just like she couldn't go out on the road and just work to avoid. Um, thinking about it or dealing with it. She couldn't go hang out with friends. She couldn't go out on the town and, and party. She was just like, I literally just had to sit at home and pro. And it really made me confront a lot of things that I did not want to confront, made me learn a lot of things that I realized I needed to learn, and it helped heal a lot of things I didn't even know needed healing. So, wow. The, the pandemic contributed to some nuanced music really really what star cost is is it's, it's almost like her less dealing with you did this to me you did this you did this it's more of this is what it's doing to me this is what i wish would happen but this is what did happen and this is what i'm going to do to move on yeah yeah music writing music is a pretty good therapy Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just one of many examples of of great music that's been written because of a sad or, you know, less than fortunate emotional state, I should say. So, yeah. And I mean, oh, yeah. the other thing that you said, like, about this album was that it kind of deviated a lot from country this mm-hmm. song almost doesn't even it it doesn't even feel close to like yeah. a country born artist you know you would you wouldn't think that she was a country artist if you heard this song first no no it, 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 really, if you're listening to this set and you get to this after you finish the second song you're probably thinking is this is just is this a pop artist Mm-hmm. And it's not until you get to the third song that you're like, wait a minute, is this country? Yeah. Exclamation question, exclamation question. Thanks for the texting lingo. Which I'm, our, I'm sure that's probably what you thought. For our Gen Z audience. Oh, no, I, as soon as Slow Burn came on, I knew it was a country artist because I heard the very slight accent. I was like, yep. <laughs> and then definitely definitely when we get to our third song that yeah. was kind of solidified and i think those first few lines in justified also kind of gave it away that you know before the before the drum machine came in mm-hmm. that it was just like oh that's 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 a very country line like it became fall and then i had to move it's like that's you wouldn't put that in pop yeah like it's yeah. still it's still now affecting her creative choices but I, I that sounds bad it's good because again now she's in the pop world and she has unique quality about her that a lot of her musical decisions are country based rather than pop based right right so again she's got a very strong advantage going forward where she goes after this point is going to be really interesting to see hey maybe a volume two down the road you know? yeah yeah because, I mean, at this point, all bets are off on what she's going to do next. Yeah. Maybe she'll go metal. You know, <laughs> oh, <her>. wow. <laughs> hey, I mean, if she does shrooms and she just feels like that's the creative space she wants to explore, 
I would be okay with it. I could not imagine that voice singing metal. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, let's go even further from metal. Let's go into pageant material. Mm-hmm. I can't do a pun with the name of the song. Did you ever think that we would have back-to-back episodes of an album called Painkiller and an album called Pageant Material? Um, no. No. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I was going to make that joke in the first section, but I couldn't, I couldn't find the context. But here we are, late to the party. Better late than never, you know? Mm-hmm. Which really we're still in the first half of the set, so that's, that doesn't even count. But... Late to the party. This one is still, like, you can hear the country voice. Yeah. Obviously, we're back on her second album, right? But it's not cliche. There's some lines in there that I'd say are very, very country. You know, like, oh, we're going to go to the party. People are calling us. Ah, it's like, whoa. I don't know. It just feels very country. I can't put my finger on it. But it's not like a country meaningless song like there's an actual yeah like it all it all serves a function in the story she's trying to tell Mm -hmm. right right. um this is the first casey song that i ever heard oh and a bit of a special memory when callie and i first started dating we were living in new mexico we had gone because we were both working at the same place and Mm -hmm. at a school and we had to drive like two hours with a bunch of other coworkers up to Albuquerque to do development day. And on the ride back, me and her sat in the back seat and did the classic one ear pod in each ear. And she played this song for me. And that was like in the Holster. very beginning parts of us starting date. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of, we've kind of always looked back on this song as kind of like being like one of our songs. So when I started to put together this set, I this was actually the first song I knew that I was going to for sure include because I wanted to have that little bit of my personal history put in there. Plus, it's a great song. Yeah. And this shows, again, really more of her pure countryside, but it's has an elegance to it. It has a gracefulness to the way it sounds, to the way that it's written, to where it's just it again, it's it's so very blatantly country, but it like it doesn't do any of the ways that annoy you. Yeah, you my ear was almost trying to like find things because like my first listen through this, I'm like, oh, this is a country artist. I'm gonna come up with ways to bash this artist. And I was looking up like not looking up, but like listening for cliches to like point out and be like oh this is you know a country cliche that's way overused and it's annoying and whatever and there aren't any of those it's almost inviting you to critique it and then you can't even find anything yeah and again that's that's exactly how i felt in the beginning stages of listening to casey because i knew she was country my mind tried to to go Oh, she's country because she sucks because she said that. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, that's pretty clever. Um, Oh, she uses that. Actually, that's kind of used pretty well. Um, uh, Can I find anything? Right. 
because just again especially us that come from the hard rock and heavy metal world it is i think kind of perceived as lame for us to like anything that sounds like this yeah and there is there is an an internal bias that is and sure. I, I think that it's really healthy at times for us to l- listen to things that challenge that bias that legitimately are good and mm-hmm. make us more well-rounded listeners to go, wait a minute, there's, there's something to this. There's, there's good music here. I need to not just stay in my bubble of the things that I listen to, and I need to not care what people would think if they found out I listened to this. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good little line at the end. Your metal friends don't need to know your Spotify listening history. Yeah, so like you, who if cares? you like this stuff, if if this ends up becoming your favorite artist of the year, you don't have to post your Spotify year in review. Don't worry about it. Listen to what you want to listen to, man. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I I thought the little sentiment of the song was nice because it's like the whole point of going to a party is to spend time with people that you want to spend time with, right? I mean, that's why you're going. That's why I would go, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't I wouldn't care about the music or the food or whatever because at the end of the day a party's people. And so the whole point being like as long as you're spending time with the the one that you want to spend time with right then that is that is the party quote unquote right yeah i didn't i didn't do the best explaining that but that's what yeah never late to the party if i'm late to the party with you yeah and and i think that also just again tie her theme of don't worry about what other people think you know we're gonna look real good but we're gonna look real rude i'm sorry i'm not sorry um it's just it's just all about do what we want to do and who cares what anyone else says all all we should be concerned about is what's best for us instead of being concerned with what we think will be best for other people and there's the whole slow burn idea of being late check yep. it out everything's connected mhm her entire discography is a concept discography conceptography and- Bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? She she really did prog in with that one. She's a prog artist confirmed. Well, I think Campbell Corp's got her beat, but I don't know. Every, okay. every every song being about how a zombie can kill you, I don't know. Well, that's a that's a pretty strong theme. Yeah, <laughs> and I again, I think that it's it's not intentional by her it's just again she's writing from her heart she's writing from what she believes in and what she feels right it's it's like when you're writing you know research papers in college or whatever and you get flagged for plagiarism and the person that you end up plagiarizing was yourself previously well if it's the same person you know and you're writing in your own voice you're gonna end up sounding like the same it's the same headspace we talked a little bit about that in all of our episodes about how some songs are going to sound the same because it's the same artist and some ideas are going to be the same and in this case it ends up being part of two vastly different ideas 
which is completely different from an other artist who maybe, you know, accidentally wrote the same riff twice or accidentally wrote the exact same lyrical idea twice. Um, it's just when you write something that's, when you try to write something that's very specific and very personally meaningful, it still is going to be personally meaningful. And you are one individual and one frame of reference. And so all of that can tie into, you know, the different songs that she puts out. And I think that's kind of cool. I think that's a kind of a neat little tidbit that there is some crossover because it adds some realism to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you're not going to expect her to write slow burn and then write a song about how she's always stressed about being late. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect that. And so having that consistency adds to the whole, I don't want to say believability because it's not like she's lying to us, right? But In her mind, she's never late. Right, right. That's, isn't that like a Queen of England saying, like, the Queen isn't late, everyone else is just early? Well, also a wizard is never late. Ah. So you got Queens, Wizards, and Casey all <laughs> in the same group. That That sounds like a great middle earth book (laughs) casey and the wizard queens for like 12 year olds to check out from the library you know i'll message her on instagram and see if she wants to make that her new musical project (laughs) oh man that'd be quite fun move on to the next song um because this is this is such a interesting song oh what a world Yes. So back on Golden Hour. So this is the first, this is the second song that I heard off this record because I, she had released ahead of the first album a song called Space Cowboy. Um, Callie obviously played and I heard it and went, huh, okay. This, it sounded more like traditional Casey, but just without a lot of the country instrumentation it was a bit more of a um more of a pop instrumentation but as far as just like the way it's written and the lyrics and the way she sung it it was kind of like oh this this sounds familiar um when callie played the record this was the first one that came on from her like the picks that she picked of her favorites and this was the one i heard and it was just like wait a minute something really crazy just happened here Mm-hmm. She she just she just leveled up because this mm. is really interesting. The fact that country yeah. and Daft together, yeah, and, exactly. and that it does not it doesn't take you out of it. Now, I, obviously, that's not actually Daft Punk, right? But they're I'm sure that they probably use the exact same voice modulator that they used vocorder. I, when I first heard this and I heard that part, I'm like, ooh, we're going to get a song that has some really interesting sounds. And then it goes into like the normal thing. And I'm like, that was kind of weird that they had that real out of place intro. But then when you hear it at the like later into the song, you're like, oh my gosh, it was like a full on recapitulation. They pulled a yes with this mm-hmm. one. I should say she pulled a yes with this one where you have, um, oh gosh, what was it? Um, uh, all you people or whatever. Uh, the all you people, something about people, something about all the people, all you good people. Oh, That's I've seen I mean. all good people. I've seen all good people. That's what it is. Gosh, 
I don't. Can you tell I don't go back to the Yes album very often? I oh, still listen to Yes. Shame. I still listen to Yes. Still listen to Fragile nine zero two one nine zero one two five. Good lord! But when they talked about that, we talked about in that episode that particular song about how they have that intro that's very out of place, but it makes sense when you get halfway through the song and you're like, oh. They had to introduce that idea to be able to tie everything together. Yeah. Because that was like a texture that they wanted to add, and that's the way that they could figure it out. So I wouldn't be surprised if the whole process was, ooh, let's add this vocoder part in the middle. Ooh, it sounds out of place. Let's have that be the intro kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I thought was very smart in retrospect after listening to the whole song. I thought that was a very smart, like, new sound. And of course, it also ties in well with like the banjo and the steel guitar and the I know. super reverby mix. Like it all goes together in this hodgepodge of just like good, good sound. Yeah. And like, again, this, this type saying about how she uses country instruments on this record, but she does not use them the way that country artists would. Like that little banjo refrain after the chorus. Like, it's not being played the way that a band... It's almost being played like a like a instrument. Yeah, or but, like even a piano. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not at all the way a banjo would normally be played, yet it's that bit of unique sonic um, texture that an artist would not think to use, oh, let's use a banjo here on our kind of swimmy atmospheric pop song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which they did such a good job. Whoever like did the sound engineering, maybe if it was her, you know. Well, really she did. Great job. She had final say on everything that appeared on the mix and the way everything sounded. She had a nickname in the studio called the Axe Man. <laughs> usually there would always be a lot more on a track and she would let them put however much they wanted on because she said that she would be able to figure out what she wanted it to be after she heard everything and she start going okay get rid of that get rid of that that off okay there there it is right there ah so kind of like a diamond in the rough style of that's that's kind of cool because then you get to pick out those really important, really nuanced parts uh-huh. instead of just getting that wall of sound. None of this feels wall of sound. It doesn't. You know, and after having so many episodes now, you know, on this podcast in a row of just wall of sound kind of music, having something very stripped down is really, really uh, nice, I should say. You get those interesting banjo melodies, for example when you have artists like this who are willing to have that minimalism. Mm-hmm. So, oh, oh, what a world of Casey Musgraves music is. Yeah. And just m- melodically, the song is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it has, it has, I'm, I realized halfway through saying this that this is going to be haha referential, but there is a magic to this song. Mm-hmm. Some kind of magic it's hard to believe. Mm-hmm. The song is talking about itself. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so what is the song talking about? So the song is just, it's talking about how, I mean, it's, it's, it's talking about 
world is, but that none of it compares. The beauty of the world doesn't compare to the beauty of love. The whole thing is she's she's spending the whole song talking about, um, you know, all these these um, earthly uh, landscapes and images and descriptions keeps tying it all together with, and then there is you. Kind of like saying like, but when it compares to you, even even the beauty of the world doesn't compare to the beauty of a pure love. Hmm. Wow. There you go. That That is... That is all there needs to say. And it wasn't like it wasn't it did this obviously didn't make it into the bad music podcast, right? So it wasn't in a really <laughs> boring way. It wasn't in a way where it's it, it oh gosh, I can't think of an example, but there there have been songs that have made it to the bad music podcast before where they just list a bunch of things and then they're like, Oh, it's not that, it's better, you know. Like um, uh -huh. just another story. Gosh, <laughs> where it's like it's a list of like three different things and it's like oh just another story about going too far like what are you trying to say you know yeah that's that's a that's a patron exclusive little bit of information there so there's there's some contraband for you normal listeners <laughs> contraband well i mean or i should say some some uh uh, sensitive intelligence handle with care Don't oh, go around telling everybody i think they should oh maybe they, yeah okay that was just go one of six songs <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> oh boy okay well i think i think i'm done with this song although i don't want to leave i think does give us a great touching tender moment to end on though because it and it lets yeah. us really transition nicely into our next song Somebody to love. Yes. Off of pageant material, not the Queen song. No, I mean when you uh when you title something Somebody to Love, there's a lot of great somebody to loves out there. So you gotta sure that it's worth the title. I would say it it does its due diligence. Yes. There's some interesting sounds on here and there's some really interesting lines. I think this is this is among Casey at her most lyrically agile and smart. Mm -hmm. um, as well as just again, this this song ties so well into that theme that she seems to unconsciously return to all the time, mm -hmm. which is just about yourself. About the song is about you know how we we only concentrate on on the bad we or we only concentrate on the good we concentrate on what our image and all of it ties into that we're we're thinking that is not right about us that we'll find it completed in someone else that mm -hmm. we're all looking for somebody to love to fix all the things about ourselves we don't like and mm -hmm. that that's actually not the answer that we all need to accept and love ourselves before we try and find somebody to love. Because regardless of whether we're in a relationship or not, we have good things in us and we have bad things in us. It's the way that we are. And we have to learn to accept that before we can accept somebody else. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's just there's just so there's so many just good little lines in here, and it's once again it's like she's listing things, but it doesn't get boring. Like every single one of them is like a new idea. Well, like the they're also not lazy. They're Each not lazy because really well thought out. Like we're all tens that want elevens. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And then the you know we're all pots and we're all kettles, like the pot calling the kettle black. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was really smart. Like, man, I don't, I don't know. It's just, this isn't my, this isn't my area of expertise as far as music, you know, when it comes to songs that maybe musically are not quite as interesting, even though there is some interesting musical moments, right? That really the biggest thing about this song is the lyrics. And the music is not going to distract from that. There's very cliche country backing music, but there's very nuanced and not cliche, very, very inspired lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I think actually what the brilliant thing is, is that she is taking in many ways a lot of things that are traditionally potential country lyric cliches, and she's using them in, in interesting new ways. Because again, one of the trademarks of lyric writing is the listing things genre. Yeah. But again, she's she's doing it in such a way where it's it's there's there's multiple layers in every line, and she's taking phrases that we know well, and she's flipping them or twisting them in some way to where we're looking at it a different way, and. Yeah injecting at times a little bit of humor where it's needed to not keep it from being really miserly and um, just really making something poetic out of a a fairly simple yet very tough to execute idea. Because if you're going to write things, it needs to be pretty good for it to not be contrived or boring. Yeah. Yeah, you need to list. You need to list some pretty interesting things. Or and you better be saying something really worthwhile fast. as well. The fact yeah, that that's true too. the fact that the theme that I just expressed, she did without really spelling it out, and just things, is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Every every like line pretty much starts with "we're all." Mm-hmm. You don't get bored because when she's saying we're all, you're still trying to pick apart the previous line. Mm-hmm. So it's just, and it's not like you have to actively do it. And that's, I guess that's kind of part of the whole mixing philosophy is that her vocals are very easy to hear. And so that lends itself to like your brain automatically trying to understand what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. She's not saying it too quickly. She's not saying, and she's not. There's not a ton of delay on her voice. She's not in this strange register where she can barely get the note out. You know, which that stuff can be very impressive. I mean, we've talked about that many times on the podcast. I'm very impressive vocalist, but at the end of the day, when you strip something down and you kind of, you know, hand it to the listener, you know, on a plate. And you just say, here are the lyrics, and you have no choice but to just eat it, you know, 
bite by bite, eat the whole sandwich and enjoy the interesting flavors without having to worry about, you know, the presentation or the atmosphere of the restaurant or what kind of scandals your server has gotten into or what kind of drugs that they do or whatever, which of course, you know, we have an artist uh, here who does shrooms and LSD, but that doesn't get in the way, right? That you don't, you don't get that, you don't get that, I don't say problem, but you don't get, let's say problem. You don't get that problem with the lyrics. You don't get them drowned out. And that's a, that's a very conscious choice, I think. Yeah. That it did, it does fit with the genre to have something stripped down, but it also, it fits just her writing style. So, yeah. I don't know. Because I think the, I think the magic of her lyric writing is that she always grounds things in the familiar. Like, she loves to take, like, popular sayings, but then, again, just twist it in a way to where you don't, you think about it in a different way, or there's some kind of unexpected way that the saying ends, or the next line is something that plays off of it. But mm-hmm. she's she's using the say things that are very deep and profound, but in ways that are like um, that just is is not a philosophical thinker is going to hear it every day. Okay, I get what she's talking about. Right. She's using the of mouth to say something universal. Yeah. Which is which is a totally unique angle when it comes to music. So Yeah. So it's just she she really is, I think, a an I really believe she's an artist. She's she has found her voice, her way of saying things, her way of presenting things. And she just does it in a really, really unique and interesting way. I bet you didn't think at the beginning of this episode that we'd be getting so deep and philosophical. I am going to... Did not. But here we are. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's go, to, let's go to our last song. Let's go to our final song. We just talked a lot about... Her stripped down nature. Now we're going to talk about a band called Rainbow. Uh huh. I'm, I'm kidding. We're talking about the song called Rainbow. We're back on Golden Hour. We got the interesting atmospheric vibe once again. Still stripped down, just like all the other songs. So, Lucas, let you take it away. So, Rainbow is the concluding song. Ooh. And um, it was also released single. And this this song was actually released as a single the same day that she won the Grammy for Best Album. Oh, okay. Wow. And um, pretty much the whole song is just about seeing the good in yourself, mm-hmm. even if you don't see it yourself. Like the whole, like she's, She's obviously talking to someone, but she said she wrote the song about herself. 
about how, again, sometimes the only thing we see is the storm, but that we can't have a rainbow without a little bit of rain. That pretty much saying that, yes, we're all going to go through tough times, but the rainbow is worth it. And that you have a rainbow inside of yourself that, um, you know, there's, there's, there's always a good within you, even if the only thing you'd see in yourself is the bad. That, that line of hold tight to your umbrella, but I'm just trying to tell you that there's always been a your head. I mean, it's, it's a simple line that has a really deep connotation to it. Right. There's so many ways that you could look at that and go, there's, there's really a very complicated emotion going on here. Mm-hmm. And again, that's what she just really does best is find a simple, easy way to say something that you could really spend a long time dissecting and discussing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's not like it's cryptic. It, it really lays it out. You understand exactly what she means as soon as she says it. Right. But like you just heard me do it, it kind of was hard for me to articulate a little bit exactly what that feeling is, but you know it when you hear it and when you feel it. Right. Right. I'm, I'm surprised that we have, you know, like a very piano-y song. I mean, all the other songs have been very steel guitar, guitar, banjo, you know, drum machine. This is pretty much just voice and piano. Couple, but, couple little pads in the background at certain spots. Right, right, and but you don't focus on that because the whole point of this music is to convey that that message mm-hmm. in a in a very Rage Against the Machine style. It's all about the message. <laughs> I'm just trying to tie things in, you know. Yeah, Every, everything's part of the giant tapestry of music. You know? So maybe that thread is very thin uh, in a historical sense, but in a philosophical sense, they might be pretty close. So, but yeah. And, and I mean, that's, that's what I mean is that there's uh, instrumentationally versatile. How do I want to say this? Different instruments, same feeling. That's what I mean. I'll just say it that way. Okay. And I think I think that's kind of that's cool to see an artist use different um I guess palettes and still give that same feeling. Um a lot of artists stick with the same palette and when they go to a different palette, I mean we had one of those in our bad music podcast last episode, right? It doesn't quite work. And different instrument, same palette. I guess it kind of works when you you know, yeah, you've got the singer-songwriter thing going on. You had an acoustic guitar. Now you've got a grand piano. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, those are two different instruments with two different feelings. And She still wrote a song that and, felt really good on piano. And it felt natural. It felt it felt like it was, it was designed for piano, you know? It felt like she was mm-hmm. naturally writing from a pianist's perspective. So, I don't know. Maybe she's just a versatile instrumentalist. That's 
that's probably what is showcasing. She's not voice. really that much of an instrumentalist. She says that oh, wait, she really? even she really barely knows how to play piano. Acoustic guitar and mandolin are the main things that she knows how to play. Mandolin. Wow. What she learned first. That is quite interesting. Um. All right, we're gonna have a little bit of story time. Oh boy. All I got right, permi- I got I got permission from my dad to tell this story. Circle around. Okay. Um, so my dad got really into this album as well. And it was, it was funny cause he came up to my office and was just like, Hey, have you ever heard of this when golden hour? And he's like, have you ever heard of this artist called Casey Musgraves? Cause I was just like, yeah, I've known her for a while, but he really gravitated toward this record. And he was telling me that there was a period where, um, he was going through a lot of grieving. One of his best friends had unexpectedly passed away and his mom was in the last stages of her life. She was, she was 89, very severe dementia. She had been in an assisted living facility for a couple years. And um, she finally got moved to a uh, nursing facility and she ended up passing like a couple months after she moved there. But it was the day that he was cleaning out the room that she stayed in at the assisted living facility. And she, he had to be done that day. And so she was already in the nursing home and he was just kind of getting all her stuff together. And he said that while he was doing that, he listened to golden hour while he was doing it. And that he fit like he was doing the last little bit when rainbow started. Mm -hmm. And he said that the song played while he was doing the final walkthrough of just like looking around, making sure he got everything mm-hmm. and kind of was having a little bit of a tough time. And he said that right as he closed and locked the door for the last time, that line at the very end of her saying it will all be all right. Mm-hmm. Came and he said that he literally like just lost it at that point. And so he said, because of that, this song will always be incredibly special to him. Wow. Kind of like he felt, he almost, he's like, I, I, I think that was God himself kind of like setting that moment up to like, give me an emotional release and to like help me in that period. Mm-hmm. This is Wow. I know that was kind of sad and that was no, it was heavy, but I thought that was a really beautiful story. Um, yeah, connected and and uh, Callie said that she cried the first time she heard this song as well. She said she felt like that this was like her life song. Wow, this is this is special. This is another, I should say, one of the really big reasons why this podcast exists is for the stories like this yeah that like these songs that you know have such meaning to people that you wouldn't really know like i obviously i didn't know who casey musgraves was before a couple days ago and i certainly didn't know anything about her until you know about two hours ago less than two hours ago really and so but hearing that it has such an impact on people that I know, you know, it's crazy. And like, oh man, particular songs having such deep emotional meaning to people. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the, 
like the best thing you could do as an artist is write a song where somebody can emotionally connect with that and whatever they're experiencing. And instead of trying to impart what you're feeling, help other people feel what they're feeling, you know, and that's her whole philosophy, you know, is, is, is feel what you're feeling and be who you are and don't worry about it and, and experience your emotions is the way that they are. Yeah. Everything else will work itself out. Yeah. This is just, this is just a huge, this is a huge cathartic storyline moment. Maybe not musically. Okay. It still is musically, which, you know, but not in the big, not in the big epic ways that we normally frame catharsis moments. in. it's always, it's always a great musically cathartic moment, but it's a good thematic catharsis because we had kind of some of these, maybe heavier more philosophical songs or whatever and not none of these were super heavy but um you kind of got lost in them and now here we are at the end and it's the nice rainbow right so i don't know i kind of like i kind of like this set it is not my preferred genre those of you who have listened to the podcast know that i'm a pretty big metalhead so this is not my preferred genre I still kind of enjoyed this. So if you haven't given these songs a listen yet, you better do it. Do yourself a favor. You might find something that you never knew you loved. I second that. And with well, that, yeah, I think we'll go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're going to give our final thoughts about Casey Musgrave. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the Good Music Podcast. We just got finished talking about the six Casey Musgrave songs that we had picked for episode. Just as a reminder, those songs were Slow Burn, Justified, Late to the Party, Oh What a World, Buddy to Love, and Rainbow. The way to listen to these songs is to check out the link in the description of the episode, take you to the Spotify playlist, check these songs out, even if you're big tough metal heads like grant and i are i still recommend trying this out you never know what might happen so grant after all this discussion and this talk about casey musgraves you started off knowing literally nothing didn't even know she was a human being that existed on this planet how do you feel about her now well i figured as much as she was a human being right well i could could be a Daft Punk type situation. You never know. But <laughs> uh, no, I, I I mean, like I said at the end of last segment, this is not my preferred genre. I can't really see myself going any higher than a six, right? But I'm a really strong six. Like I didn't expect to. I mean, after my, after my first listening, I was about to say, you know what? I'm going to go down to a four. Because I don't like this kind of music. But talking through, you know, the different nuanced lyrics, because that's not something that my ear immediately picks up on, you know. And talking about how she wants to do things her own way, you know. And her lyrical themes definitely step outside of the template of her genre. You can't put her any lower than a six, right? I mean, you have to respect the 
the amount of craftsmanship that she puts into the songs that we talked about. I mean, we talked about the first song, how every little detail was, you know, a part of the puzzle of that song. And I thought that was really cool to pick apart. Um, these songs I really liked. Uh, some of them more than others, you know, but I definitely think that the golden hour ones stood out. I think that was the nice little sweet spot between the country and the super pop, you know, so I'm probably, I'm probably going to do some extra listening, probably going to listen to golden hour. I was already thinking about doing that before you said that uh, your dad really likes golden hour. And then when you said that, I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I made a good decision. I'll listen to golden hour, you know? So We'll see. I'm not expecting to be completely changed by the album, but I'm expecting to hear some cool sounds, some cool mixing, some nice atmosphere, and some good lyrics. So maybe I'll have an update for you listeners on the uh, on the next uh, episode. So, and I'd have to say, gosh, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite would be. I probably. Hmm, there's like four that are going around in my head, but <laughs> I got I gotta go with slow burn. It's just got the most cool atmosphere. Oh, I don't know. You know what? I'm doing it. I'm not I'm not gonna deliberate for for an hour. It's slow burn before I just keep rambling on about it. So anyway, that's my final thought. I gotta respect gotta respect the craftsmanship. So Lucas. All right, so I started off at like a solid six, kind of where you're just like, this isn't going to change me, but this this is cooler than I thought it would be. And man, I would say that I'm at a I'm at a pretty good. I would say I'm probably at a low eight at this point. Ooh, wow! Just because it, once I really started to peel back the layers and see her as the artist and kind of get into really what her ethos was. Um, I found that it was literally the same as all of the other great artists that I love. That that whole, you know, follow the music, do what makes you happy, and um, don't give in to what anyone else says. I mean, that's rock and roll. Yeah, it is. And just all the great, musical geniuses of the, I, I'm, I mean I'm not going to go as far to say that Casey is a musical genius but I do think that she is turning out to be one of the better songwriters of this modern era um, time will tell if she continues to get better and who knows maybe we'll have a different conversation down the road but um, it surprised me how really good artistically great she was and not just a oh she wrote some pretty good songs that there's so much extra lurking below the surface yeah that has really impressed me enough to where I feel like I finally can overcome my inward bias against country music and pop music or modern pop music to kind of go okay I I don't care if people think as a metalhead that it's weak to like this kind of music. I'm going to just say I like it. I think it's great. I think she's great. And I think she's going to continue to make some pretty cool music. Yeah. So 
I think I gotta agree with you though that slow burn is my favorite. There's just some there's just some good some good little tie-ins between the music and the lyrics, you know. And I would also highly recommend listening to Golden Hour. There there ain't a bad song on the whole album. That is that is high praise. Mm-hmm. But mm, you ha- you haven't disappointed me yet. So yet. <laughs> now, as far as the rank playlist goes, um, there be all that um, are curious to see how her discography is ranked worst to best. It'll be on our Spotify page. Um, it's pretty easy to go through this time because, again, there's just not near as much to try and sift through. Um, How many songs are there? 77. Oh, wow. Okay. A little over four hours worth of music. Okay. So I was not scrambling this week. I was able to get through it at a, at a good pace. Um, I put Justified at number 10, uh, Late to the Party at number 6, Oh, What a World at 4, Somebody to Love at 3, Slow Burn at 2. Mm. So you you got the number one rated song as, uh, as not your favorite. Staying objective. I like it. Yes, trying to at least. <laughs> trying to, yeah. Bias will... All right. My ranking, but I, I try to think more with my brain than with my uh, heart. Because I don't like it when people just say what their favorites are and when they're making like playlists for or rankings for other people to see. I think you got to try and distance yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some of your ranked playlists are very, very, very accurate, so... We'll see. I try to be. Um, Harry was not as uh, eager to embrace Casey Musgraves as other artists. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. He said that he doesn't like girl singers on his playlist. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I, we'll see if you change your mind. And he ended up liking a couple of songs. Rainbow was his favorite. You you got to change his mind on that. You got to you got to introduce him to some heart or some ABBA, you know. But he can also belt out the chorus to Justified, and it's really funny to hear from a four year old. <laughs> uh, I can imagine, yeah. And he he liked Oh What a World because I lied and told him that that was Daft Punk singing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. And he loved Daft Punk, so that all that instantly made that song cool to him as well. Oh yeah. Um, I felt like it was pretty odd from what I described that Rainbow was also Callie's favorite, considering that she said it was her life song. Mm-hmm. So she was she was very happy that I did this set, especially after Judas Priest last week. And I guess that would be the Andy's pick. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm not going to make that an official thing. Oh, really? 
No, because because he, cool. he doesn't. He usually doesn't listen to the set. I just tell you what his favorite is if I happen to already know what it is. Ah, it's a, it's an exclusive premium thing for premium artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that don't do anything to get us to get Andy's pick. So they're really not premium. They're just whatever. It's bonus. <laughs> it's just bonus. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Wow. So, yeah, that's our episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to hear our next segment on Casey Musgrave's six worst songs, then you should check out one of the links in the description of the episode that takes you to our Patreon page where you will get access to the bad music podcast segment, as well as you get to hear episodes a little bit earlier before everyone else. So if you're interested in that, go check it out and uh, make sure that you tune in next week for our listener uh, picked episode. We're going to kind of still remain in a bit of a chill vibe, but we're going to go backwards quite in time a bit. So um, make sure that you check us out next week, hit that subscribe button. So, you know, when new episodes are available, Um, we have new episodes every Monday at midnight and make sure that you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. That's the best way to get in touch with us and let us know what you think of the podcast and what artists we should cover in a future episode and with that i'm lucas and i'm grant keep on listening to good music